Welcome to the third episode of Haunted University. I'm John Schultz. And I'm Keone Hutton. On today's episode, we will explore how to design a good floor plan and layout for your home haunt. It's important to plan out your floor plan early in the design process in order to maximize your uh, in order to maximize the available space that you have to work with. The purpose of your floor plan is to safely direct your guests from scare to scare and then eventually to their exit. Exactly, John. And there's two parts to that purpose. First is the safety. You need to make sure that uh, the route that your guests are going to be take is avoiding tripling hazards and you have good enough visibility for them to walk through. That doesn't mean it can't be dark or foggy and strobing, uh, but any areas where you have those excess visual effects should be in the safest parts of the haunt, either areas that are straight, not no curves, uh, or else there's some kind of guides to keep the guests pointed in the right direction. And and that's absolutely true because at, at the end of the day, I mean, this this is a home haunt. We It sounds like a cliche, but... You really want safety to be your first priority because that's going to make sure that there are, you know, we want to avoid lawsuits if we can or injuries or anything of that nature. It kind of puts a damper on the, the whole night. Exactly. The second part of that purpose is the direction. There's one main purpose, but with two parts to the main purpose? Yes. Okay. Safety and direction. You, your guests should be directed in a safe manner. As opposed to an unsafe manner. Precisely. So the direction side should be a linear path, allowing only one direction the guests can follow so that you don't have guests getting lost in your haunt. Unless, of course, that's the entire purpose of your haunt. Uh, for example, uh, a corn maze, uh, where you sure. want people getting lost, but in that case, it's stated up front, so guests know what they're getting into. In most cases, uh, when you're dealing with a home haunt, when there's not enough space for that, you don't want people wandering off in different directions into areas they shouldn't be. Uh, so keeping it as linear as possible is um, is important to help do that. It's going to decrease the – I mean, it, that's just going to increase the likelihood of them, you know, maybe breaking something or even getting hurt, having an injury. And, and it, then, it, I mean, then when you have to go in and maybe find that person and escort them to the exit, it kind of – it messes up the flow, really, of your of your night and you kind of need to reset. There are a number of key points that you should keep in mind as you're beginning to design your floor plan. Uh, the, the first being throughput. That's the number of people you have going through your haunt each night. This uh, can be more or less important uh, depending on what you're trying to, depending on the goals, like we discussed in episode one. Uh, and it's definitely critical for haunts trying to make a profit. Yeah, let me try to illustrate that importance with a example. Um, let's say hypothetically you need to make ten thousand dollars in order to make a profit. And you're going to be open every Friday and Saturday this October, October 2017, plus the 30th and 31st. So that gives you 10 operating days. And you're going to be open from 5 to 10 p.m., so five hours each day. Let's say tickets are going to be $5 a person. That means you need 2,000 patrons to make that make up that $10,000. Or 200 patrons every night that you're operating. So if you're open for five hours a day... That's 40 people an hour, or a group of two entering every three minutes on average. If you exceed that number, you make your profit. But if you fall short, you're going to end up eating your losses. I was told there would be no math. There will always be math. And turning off my mic now. Perfect. Uh, so that's the importance of throughput. Obviously, if you're not trying to make a profit, then the throughput is less important. Uh, but there are some other items that you'll want to keep in mind. Duration is going to be one thing, for example, like how long it takes for a, a group of guests to to transit the, the haunted house, to make their way from the, the beginning to the, to the exit. 
you want to be sure that you don't have too many people inside the haunt at any given time. You want to make sure that um, there are only so many people that you can control any situation that may happen. We never want bad things to happen while we're operating one of our haunts, but if we don't plan for it ahead of time, if something does happen, uh, a guest gets injured or has a medical emergency um, or goes <laughs> berserk, freaks out, and starts attacking your actors, you want to have plans in place to deal with these type of contingencies uh, because I you recommend just a file out of control if you do not. So well, we I do not recommend a hatchet, but we'll get – no, you make a, you make an excellent point as to the, depending on the size of your haunt, allowing a certain amount of people in at one time. I mean, it to be honest, crowd control or limiting crowd inside the haunt. It's not like a it's not a sexy job. It's not necessarily a you know one you would apply for, but it's it's incredibly important. You don't want you know you don't want a line inside of your haunted house. You certainly don't want too many people taking it up to the point where there's a choke point or anything like that. You want to make sure that there's, they're having a good time and that it's not, they don't feel rushed, but at the same time, you, you don't want a line backing up into your haunt. That's just going to cause chaos. Absolutely. But at the same time, you can't have people so close together that your scare, your actors don't have time to reset in between. Uh, I, I call that the reset rate, how long it takes your actors to reset their scares and then be ready for the next group of guests. Did you just come up with that? No, I came up with that last oh. night. That's, that's still pretty good. That's not bad. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. The critical reset rate for us at Arkham was uh, Dr. Strange. Uh, in between each set of guests, he had to physically take the intestines of the guy he was vivisecting and stuff them back inside the body uh, along with the new set of candy before the next one came out. And that ended up taking him about 30 to 45 seconds each time. And so we couldn't have guests entering any faster than every minute or so in order to ensure that uh, he'd be ready by the time the next set showed up. And I think it, one thing that you can do, you know, if you're, if you're creative is you can take that because like I said, it's not exactly a sexy job to, you know, allow so many people in and out at the same time. But if you're creative, you can take that and make it a part of the, of the haunted house. For example, you came up with the idea for our, our Arkham haunted house to, you know, dress up as a security guard and only allow so many people in there at once you know, because the prisoners were loose and this and, and all these things. But you, you rather than just having someone, you know, just in your regular street clothes that they're, hey, five at a time, you know, you, you made it a part of the experience, which I think really enhanced it. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I worked hard to try to incorporate uh, the crowd control into our story. And I think that it, uh, with Arkham at least, it flowed really well. It, it did. Um, and, and like you said, it's a, it's a small portion, but at the same time, if you if you're not resetting quickly enough and people come in mid reset, it really detracts from the overall experience. You lose the scare completely, and you do. more than that, you're taking the people uh, mentally out of the story. And once they're out of the story, then you lose a lot of the ability to scare them. And it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be any particular like a very complex setup. I think for ours, we we had you doing crowd control, and then we had yourself with either you know a walkie-talkie or some forms of communication then we had someone on the inside with the same thing that was able to communicate that to the rest of us inside 
So it doesn't have to be complex or anything. It just needs absolutely, to be absolutely. efficient. And I, you brought up a good point uh, that two-way communication ended up being critical for us because we didn't have the timing down. Because we were only open for two nights, we didn't have time to work out a lot of those kinks. And so we were working out those kinks on the fly and having that two-way communication between me at the gate and everyone else back inside the haunt ended up being almost critical to ensuring that our throughput uh, stayed at a reasonable level. And and it, and very quickly, it goes back to that same just with the two way communication. But you can also disguise that again as part of the as part of the overall absolutely portion of absolutely. the hunt. Absolutely, that's part exactly of what we did. You would call in, yeah. You would call in like uh, to be honest, I don't remember some of the exact verbiage you used, but you know, you would call into to Ryan and and say, you know, hey, I'm sending five more in. I'm sending in some backup, and then he would reply. Obviously, we had Ryan who was playing. Dr. Hugo Strange, but he would reply as a guard. Um, you know, if if we were good, he said, perfect, send him in. We need the help or something like that. Or if we weren't reset yet, you know, you can respond with, no, we're not ready. We can't. Hold on. You know, something. Stand by. We're falling back. You know, something like that. Right. Exactly. Just any, something, any way yeah. to communicate it, but keeping it within the story. Exactly. It's a much more creative and and it speaks to the flow of it rather than just, Hey, are you guys reset? Exactly. You know, it's, exactly. And I think speaking to also the duration of it, you obviously want to, depending, this will depend on your, the amount of, you know, space you have available to create your haunt. So that's obviously going to dictate a lot of this, but you also want to create something for the, for the guests. That's, you know, it's enticing. So it's not like it's, you know, 25 seconds and it takes them that long to get through it. And it's, kind of a, a bummer but at the same time you also you know it's halloween they have friends maybe they have things to do so you want to make sure that they're you're not taking something that's you know 45 minutes in length to to get along and again a lot of that is space is going to dictate that um i think ours was a good length it was about what three to four minutes that it took to get through right uh and, so and ours was and because ours take... is was a home haunt you know we're just expanding on your traditional trick-or-treating timeline um, where a person goes up to the front door, gets candy, and leaves. Maybe 30 seconds to a minute, depending how long your driveway is. Um, sure. All we were doing was making the driveway really long by allowing them to pass through the haunt, um, but they're still ending up in a location to get the candy and then leaving again. We're just adding more scares in and around that. Sure. And if you if you have your own space set up, and <laughs> just to take from traditional Halloween lore, but like a barn or a field or, or something like that that you – have a large amount of space to do it, well, then that's obviously something something different. But yeah, for your home hunt, you want to make sure that they're it, it's lengthy enough that they enjoy themselves and you can get cram a lot of material in there, but at the same time, not long enough to you know prolong it or make them you know stop enjoying the experience. Exactly, exactly. So Arkham ended up being about a five minute walk through, um, and we controlled uh, some of that. Yeah, some of them ran. Some of them, some ran. Of them ran. There were definitely those who, uh, in fact, I think the record holder was about a minute to do this five minute. They were just flying through. Uh, but our actors did a very good job of uh, controlling the pace that people were moving through by interacting with the guests, um, talking to them, getting them to respond. Uh, and then uh, at the end, when Kale is hurrying them down uh, into the dead end, Kale, the Joker, when the Joker was uh, trying to hurry them down to the dead end, speeding things up, uh, the actors had a lot of power to control uh, the rate that the, guests were coming through yeah absolutely i find that i like the way absolutely sounds sounds very professional absolutely that's an excellent conclusion wonderful all right 
but what happens when the worst does happen? Uh, we talked a little bit about um, a guest gets injured or freaks out or there's a medical emergency or one of your actors has an emergency. Um, you need a way to extricate them from the haunt very easily. Uh, if you look at the floor plans that we developed for Arkham, it was a very winding maze, um, maximizing a lot of switchbacks and cutbacks, um, allowing us to minimize construction materials so we could have like a single sheet of plywood acting as a wall for two different hallways. But that ends up creating a much longer corridor uh, that people would need to get to or get through in the event of emergency. So we planned emergency exits in even from the beginning, uh, how to extricate people very quickly. So we used uh, secret doors that were just cut out of the walls, the existing walls, uh, with a lock barrel bolt to keep it shut. And then if we needed to get it open, then any one of the actors could easily open that door and we could extract guests that way. That also ended up being really useful during construction uh, because we were able to bring materials and equipment in directly right. rather than having to go through all the hallways every time. And to anyone anyone listening that's thinking, you know, that's overkill, that's unnecessary, you know, it, it probably is not going to be necessary. You're probably right. It's probably not going to be necessary, but you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you never know what's going to happen in there. Someone could have a seizure. Someone could have a bad reaction. Someone could trip and hurt themselves. So you, you do want a way to... Like, for, for example, ours, we would have to carry them. We'd have to go up and down through corridors, and it would take just a long time to get out. When it, it's worth it. It's worth the time and effort to put into absolutely. making Absolutely. And even if absolutely nothing happens, uh, we had a, a, a trick-or-treater in a wheelchair. His dad did a phenomenal job right. turning that wheelchair into a TIE fighter, one of my favorite costumes from that night. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That was but obviously, with, in the wheelchair, he couldn't go through the whole thing. But we could open up the emergency exit uh, right there. So that he could get in, get candy, see a little bit of the haunt, uh, and get back right. out safely. That was one of the better moments. And props to the dad who, who I mean, that was that was impressive. absolutely that was outstanding. It, it's one of my favorite costumes I've ever seen from any year. Amazing. Keep in mind, duration and reset rate will affect your throughput. It takes a careful balancing act in your design phase to in, to help maximize that throughput. And actually, let's stop for a second and talk about that. Let's talk about how we did that on Arkham because I think that could really show some examples and people could take a lot from how we did uh, did our layouts during Arkham. Sure. Okay? So at the very beginning, right after you convinced me that this was a good idea, we literally walked outside to see, well, how much space do we have to work in? You may remember from our – I think it was our first episode we talked about uh, – I jumped on the computer and started looking to see what it would cost to rent a storefront to do this, and it ended up being way more money than we were willing to get into. You did. It was actually kind of eerie. I finished my presentation and was like, so what do you think? You were oddly silent. You didn't really do much, and you just started looking at things on a computer. It's like, well, that was a different reaction than I had anticipated. <laughs> was... Right, but so after we determined that, well, this uh, a storefront is definitely way out of our budget – we had to determine how much space do we actually have to work with now. Right. So uh, we went out in the front and started looking at the yard to see uh, what kind of space. My house was a little bit complicated because the driveway is pretty steep, so much so that uh, my wife in her Toyota Camry would have trouble getting up the driveway uh, when it snowed. Right. Because it would be so slick. To get, Just to give you an idea of uh, how steep that driveway is. So – we had the driveway, which was fairly steep, so we had to take that into account. Next to the driveway, we have the front yard, which was also fairly hilly, but 
small, uh, 18 feet by 26 feet or so. And then on the other side of the driveway, we had uh, just rocks going back to the fence to the backyard and the uh, and then my neighbor's yard right next door. So looking at all these elements, we determined that we actually have a fair amount of space that we could work with. And so we took our measurements, looking at all of the possible spaces, the rocks, the driveway, the grass, the front porch, and even the garage uh, was evaluated uh, to determine if we could do something in there. And then uh, we got out a piece of graph paper and drew to scale the space that we had to work with. Drew the outline in pen, and then I could take a pencil and start sketching in where we would put walls in order to maximize uh, our space. Again, we knew we wanted to do an asylum, and so what does an asylum have inside it, John? Inmates. Inmates. And where are the inmates housed? <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help. You, no, you're you right, inmates. And where, where are the inmates housed? Oh, that's what you were going for? Oh, wow, I missed that entirely. No. Fair enough. Um, you you want to be you want to see how many options for cells you have. Um, exactly, cells. Maybe. So we knew we had to uh, find some way to get cells which are going to take up space, and that's going to be dead space that we cannot put guests, but we could put an actor, potentially. Sure. Additionally, we need the corridors to connect them. Of course. And we decided pretty early on that we did not want to take or we did not want any corridors going back into the garage. That was um, really more of a practical decision on me, the homeowner's part. Sure. I had the ability to close the garage door every night, even with uh, everything still set up. I could still close the garage door, secure the house when stuff wasn't going on and be very easy to just open the garage door. Right. For the days when the asylum is open. And I think, and I think that worked out too because we ended up using the space, the garage, you know, with your, with the soundboard, um, just some costume design prep, um, and ways for people to make it in and out. So exactly. I, I think that was, yeah, it, it worked out. It was a good stage very well because now we have a weatherproof area where we could keep all those sensitive electronics yeah. like the soundboard and the amplifiers and. Um, it gave us a staging area where we could keep food for the actors and spare candy. It, it, it was backstage, and it and we were able to use it that way uh, very effectively. It, it really was. It was a good, like I said, it was a good staging area. It really worked out well. Yeah, so we used the graph paper to create the first iteration. And then I took that graph paper design and uh, made the first computer model of it using uh, Windows Visio. If you're not familiar with Windows Visio, I highly recommend it. If you can get hold of a copy through, uh, if your work offers a work-from-home software-type package, uh, some employers are able to get Windows software for like $10, and it's worth every penny if you can. But Visio allows you to do two-dimensional design uh, in a variety of ways, flowcharts, electrical schematics, and uh, architectural designs, which is what we used it for on Arkham. You can see all the designs that we created on our Facebook page, and it even allows you to do like dimensions. You can put all the dimensions in. Here's how big this wall is going to be, and uh, then you can measure out how big your corridors are going to end up being. Which is essential. And it, 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 is, it is a very powerful tool to help you determine the amount of materials that you need to get hold of uh, for the construction. And really quick, if you want to, if you are curious as to what we did and if you want a good example, you can see those. We'll put those up on our um, on our Twitter page, which is at Haunting Univer One. That's Haunting U-N-I-V-E-R One. Um, okay, what's the name of our Facebook page? Yeah, they're already posted on our oh, Facebook fantastic. page. 
That's uh, facebook.com slash haunting you, the letter U. I feel like you're showing off a little, so now I have some work to do. Damn. That's right, you do. Damn it. Hate work. Anyway. So um, visit, we went from the graph paper, which was the first stage of our design process, then to Windows Visio, where we're able to uh, better or get a better idea of dimensions and materials. And then after that, uh, I actually built a 3D model using uh, a piece of free software called SketchUp. It's made by Google. I found it to be very intuitive to use. Which means I have no clue on how to use it at all. Probably. No. Uh, but the neat thing about SketchUp was uh, we could build it very simply uh, in three dimensions and then move it around and even like walk our cursor through the corridors as if it was a person uh, going through the haunted house. So it ended up being a very powerful tool uh, to help us work out some of the kinks before we even tried setting stuff up outside. It certainly cut down on the amount of time we would have otherwise needed to use. Very much so. So yeah, go to our Facebook page, take a look at what we were able to create uh, in SketchUp and using Visio, and see if you can use that for your own haunts. I highly recommend these two pieces of software, especially SketchUp, uh, because it is free to download and use. And especially if you're on a budget like we were, anything you can get for free is always a good thing. Love anything I can get for free. Free is a beautiful word. Once we had the 3D design uh, in SketchUp and we were able to work around uh, some of the issues we encountered, that's when we actually uh, did the layout full scale in the yard. And I think that was that really was a, a useful thing to do because we had, you know, all of our actors and people would be working stage stage design everything. We had everybody come up and we we marked off what we had planned. Um, just based on our, your SketchUp designs, and so we. Mar what do you mean, Mark? What do you mean, marked it off? Didn't we use tape or string? To be honest with you, I can't remember. What did we use? It was string. String. Yeah, we hung string. That's right. We so we hung the string so it would we could walk through and really get a feel for what it was going to be like. And I think it's the reason I say you should bring in everyone is because you know what? It, it's great if you have one or two people, but. You know, we missed things. We clearly did. People pointed things out to us that we were like, you know what? We didn't think about that. That's important. That's something we need to adjust. So it's good to have more than one or two, one or two, you know, points of view on it. It's good to have someone come in and point things out because you want to take care of any potential issues, especially you want to get those out of the way and done before opening night. And that was important because we readjusted where we had our, had our morgue. We realized some potential issues we would run into and had to readjust where we were going to put the morgue. Um, in comparison or in contrast with the other cells. You're right. And not only that, but. Which was a major no, no, design mind, issue. I can take that. <laughs> it, it ended up being a huge design issue. And, and uh, it was good that we did that because it could have completely derailed us if we had caught it in October instead of in July. Right. And good barbecue, might I add. And it was good barbecue. Green chili brats are the bomb. Right. We've spent much of this episode emphasizing how you need to get the floor plan figured out early in your design process uh, because so much is going to be dependent on it. But that doesn't mean that you can't change it uh, even from that initial design. So if you look at our the early designs for Arkham Asylum, you'll see that it did change quite a bit, starting with just having an open exit in our initial version and then creating a dead end uh, just by closing off that entrance and adding a door. And then after that, we ended up building the Arkham Gates. And at the top of the Arkham Gates, uh, there were torches, like uh, tiki torches. So we had actual real fire. 
but the initial design of the haunted house had those torches underneath a tree. So we had to move where the <laughs> gate was to the center of the driveway, which ended up adding additional corridor to account for that. Your neighbor was actually pretty good about letting us use some parts of his property and, and do some aspects on his on his property. And I feel like us burning down one of his trees as well as his house would be a poor way to repay him. Indeed. Indeed. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Really quick, before we get too far, when you're describing these torches, what, what are they like torches and pitchfork kind of torches or what kind are we talking? Well, if you look at the pictures we have on our Facebook page, you'll see that they are tiki torches sitting on top of the pillow. Ah, that was very clever. All right. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug for our Facebook page. Shameless plug, but got to be done. So beyond just planning out how you how the guests are going to get from the entrance to the exit, this is also the perfect time to start planning what kind of scares your guests are going to encounter along the way. And I think one thing we you have to take into account is, like you said, space. But um, when we were planning our our scares or what events we were going to do, one thing you have to take into account is, well, like, for example, we did the characters, obviously, from, from Arkham Asylum, so we did Batman's villains. But there are so many that we wanted to use, but you can't use due to, um, obviously, some logistics and just realism. Like, let's take, for example, Clayface, um, you know, the, the person made completely out of mud. That would have been very cool to do, but obviously, at least that we could think of, there's no real rational, legitimate, logistical way to pull that off. Um, so one... I could find a way. Let's think for a minute. I'm thinking um, latex mask. Didn't we? Even paper mache potentially. Well, sure, but you could you can't make him. How are you going to make him change in anything? Okay, you think for a minute. But latex. Think for a minute. I don't know if latex. Well, maybe. I don't know. We'll come. We'll come back to that. But is you need to choose characters who you could make into into a terrifying character. But also, at the same time, again, be realistic and logistical. Let's take Joker, for example. If you, the, honestly, for the Joker, the makeup, the costume, or a small portion of it, that's very easy. It's mostly having the actor to, that portrays him is the key to that one. But, like, let's say, for example, the next one, we took Scarecrow. It's also about taking that character and some of their characteristics and tendencies and using that to your advantage to kind of help the experience. Let's take, for example, Scarecrow. Um, now, the, the setup we had, he wasn't running around scaring our guests. He was actually still partially in his cell, but he, you know, he had the costume on and everything. Um, but what we had was some audio clips of Scarecrow playing that we had used. Um, very spooky, very good. But then we used some of his, we used one of our fog projectors to kind of replicate that fear gas effect that he had, just to kind of set the mood. Um, set the mood because I think he was our he was the first character that people encountered. That. And we did that on purpose uh, to incorporate that into the storyline. So the people come into the ha come into Arkham Asylum, they get hit with that fear gas, and then everything that they're experiencing after that is a hallucination caused by that fear gas. Right. So that allowed us to uh, make the this already slightly fantastic story even more fantastic uh, by implying that it was a hallucinogenic state. Right. And I think that that really helped. And, and I think one thing we use the fear gas, well, obviously not real fear gas or we'd be in prison, but if one thing we, we used once that fear gas again, quote unquote, hit them, um, the, like the, the next thing up is the phantasm, you know, 
and it's setting the tone. Um, if you're not familiar, we use the we use just the the famous line from the movie of "Your angel of death awaits," and then it's just this grim reaper looking, you know, phantasm that represents death. Like if you continue, you know, death awaits you. Um, to kind of set the mood, so it goes straight from there into some of our um, Doctor Hugo Strange, you know, using his saws and everything, <laughs> screwdrivers. Uh, I believe you had a drill. That was a good. That was a nice touch. That was a drill. Uh, on the page. Also chainsaw. Yeah, we we voted down. A couple tree saws. I think we voted down the chainsaw idea. And it, oh, we was sitting there. Yeah, you and your chain. Couldn't get it running though, which was unfortunate. I'm fine with. I think we were fine with that. Again, legalities, man, legalities. But, no. Um, and again, and this is the order we, we specifically chose to kind of... It, one thing built on another, which I think was important. They kept building on each other and getting to the point where it was scarier and scarier, and it flowed well. Um, and it wasn't... One thing I think what we is, is somewhat hard to do, but that you need to do, you can't use every inch of your haunted house as an event, I think, or I should, well, I use the term event uh, for like an actor scaring someone. Um, you need to take a little bit of time between them and let that fear build, which I think is important. You know, when is the next one coming? When is the next thing going to happen? Absolutely. One of the earliest things that I learned uh, setting up these home haunts was, uh, was the atmosphere. Once you get people into the right mindset, then scaring them is very easy. And so much of my preparation would be dedicated to building up the atmosphere, uh, making the house look creepy, using audio or visual effects to uh, to give them a heightened state of anxiety. Because once they're in that heightened state of anxiety, uh, all it takes is someone to pop out when they're not expecting it for them to uh, to shrink. And, and I think that's and let's let's touch, explore that point a little bit further. And and like you mentioned, it's. It's not as some to obviously it's the character scaring them, but some part of it is just that anticipation, that nervousness about walking around. When is it going to happen? Exactly. And one thing. Exactly. And that's why. And like you said, you don't want uh, scare after scare after scare after scare. You need that downtime in between um, for them to anticipate. Uh, and that's the next what. Scare. And that's why you need the balance. That's what kind of separates a good haunted house from a great haunted house is you need to have the discipline in order to do that to eat with limited space. Like, like for example, we had a driveway and a, and a yard to, you need to have that discipline that even with limited space, if, if there's so many things you want to fit in there, you still need to make sure that you're giving them some downtime instead of, like you said, yes. one after another constantly. It's just, it's, it's too much. It's trying to fit too much into that. Right, and so that's why of our five cells, so we have them numbered one, two, three, four, five, depending on uh, which one you'll encounter as you walk through linearly. So we have the scarecrow in cell one. Cell two was empty uh, because that was the jokers that he had broken out of. And then we have uh, the phantasm right there by cell two. Uh, super creepy, but not providing much of a scare. And then they go into the morgue with dr strange and he's ripping people's guts out there's your big scare then cells three and four are static displays so we had um who's the glowing guy dr phosphorus dr phosphorus in one and then um black, black mask and then the one next to it uh just static dummies 
setting atmosphere but not providing that uh but not providing the scare and then we have zaz mr zaz mr zaz providing the scare at the net in cell five and then really quick yeah i touch on one thing one thing you you had mentioned earlier was the atmosphere um and picture along with this we have like we said we had audio clips for scarecrow but um we had also talked about early on in the stages of the haunted house of wanting to again build that fear build that atmosphere and you had the idea of placing speakers along sections of the haunted house and when we did that what we did is we took some audio clips from uh, joker's monologue in uh in the killing joke and just setting up and this was i give all credit to you for this um because it, it was I, I don't remember how long probably maybe a minute total but you placing different portions of the audio to replay themselves in different parts of the hunt house. So right. as and the visitors went along, you got the entire message. Exactly. Exactly. And, that was and we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, when we get into our audio episode. But anyway, it's again about setting the atmosphere. So anyway, right. So, so then they come up to uh, Mr. Zaz, he provides the scare and then, um, we increase the anxiety by having the Joker dressed up as a guard, uh, jumping out immediately and going, you need to get out of here. You need to go. You need to go. Um, hyping, you know, building up that excitement, building up that anxiety, rushing them down the corridor into a dead end and then revealing that he's the Joker for the final scare. And of course, in this case, you, you saved the best for last. You Joker he, needed to be. Exactly. He had to be, he had to be the grand finale. Uh, that's almost expected uh, mm -hmm. out, out of this Batman theme. But like, but like you were saying, we have that constant up and down of taking the guests through um, these areas of heightened emotion uh, and then backing it off, letting them recover, letting them anticipate with the next thing, back up to the heightened emotion and then recovery. Constantly going through that uh, cycle of scare and recover, scare and recover. That's a good way to phrase it. That's a very good way to phrase it rather than constant scare. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly, and that all came back to our layout. We had we um, had to develop that along with the layout uh, in order to ensure that we had enough time in between for the guests to have that recovery. And I think that's one thing that that's important to remember is if you you know you're going to one thing that's important you're going to do several drafts of that layout. Um, it's just how it is going to be. If you you know you are constantly going to find. Uh, better ways to do things i think yeah absolutely your storyline is going to, to to a certain aspect your storyline is going to dictate some of the layout and you need to be able to adapt with that be, and be open be open to incorporating your storyline at uh through all aspects of your layout and don't be so rigid to your to your layout that you know if if there's a good idea presents itself that you're unable to make that adjustment absolutely and that's why we really talked about first setting your goals and then developing your storyline and then using your storyline to help develop your layout. And I mean, yeah, don't get frustrated if you have to retool your layout. It's it, it's worth it. I mean, we must have gone through, what, 10, 11, 12 different. We had so we probably had 12 uh, initial layouts before taking it to uh, the computer once it was in the computer, it changed, I think, three times before construction started. So don't get too attached to that first layout. It's more than likely it's going to go through a lot of change. Be open to and embrace those changes as they come. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the show. I think we got to touch on everything we need to. 
so we wanted to let you know our next episode will be on construction. Um, as always, for this episode and the others, you can send us any questions, comments. We'd love to read them. We'd love to hear them, and we'll, we'll see if we can get you an answer. You can reach us via Twitter at, at HauntingUniver1. That's Haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R, 1. Okay, what's our Facebook page? Yeah, we're also on Facebook at uh, www.facebook.com slash HauntingU, U being the letter U. I like that. Um, and then you can find, if you want to go back and if you like this episode, you'd like to go back and listen to our other two. Um, you can find them at iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. All, of course, free to download. And you can find links to all of those on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. And like I said, if you have questions, comments, send them in. We'll answer you. In the meantime, happy haunting. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more details on all the clips used in this episode. University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U or on Twitter using the handle at haunting Univer one that's haunting U N I V E R one.